0: You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len Today's program is entitled Cross Eyed Christians. Hello my radio friends. I'm so glad you've joined me today for another give me the bible program. Today we'll be looking at some aspects of Christianity. A few of these may be surprising for you. But first an interesting fact. Most of you are able to recognize Hyundai cars which of course are made in Korea. You'd probably recognize the badge which is an oval with an italic stylized H in it. But do you know what Hyundai was originally called? It was Kont-I, pronounced Kunt-I. American marketing consultants suggested to the Koreans that the original name had some embarrassing connotations. So in around 1990, Kunt-I change their name to Hyundai. It is said that the eyes are the windows to the soul. Eyes convey expressions and meanings which cannot be observed so well with other body parts. There are many expressions in the English language using the word eye or eyed. Here are some of these. Open eyed pie eyed -eyed, sharp-eyed, wide-eyed, cross-eyed, shifty-eyed, and, of course, there are lots more. Fairly recently, while my wife and I were in the United States of America, I was bitten by a tick. No, the bite was not painful. In fact, I never felt a thing. No, the tick was not big. It was smaller than one of the little black ants commonly found here in Australia. But that little tick bite had large ramifications. From it, I contracted Lyme's disease. In my case, I was fairly fortunate with symptoms of a bright red dinner plate sized rash on my back and having a feeling of weakness and tiredness like I was getting the flu. Other victims may even lose their ability to walk. While I was having treatment for the limes, about a month after we returned to Australia, I suddenly found myself with strabismus, where my right eye refused to line up with the left one. Consequently, I saw everything double and I suspect this was the result of the bacterial infection from the tick bite. The eye problem was no joke, although my friends joked about it, calling me Pirate Pete, as it was necessary for me to wear a patch over the right eye. The sight in that eye was fine, but with my brain registering two differing images it was impossible to walk or drive with both eyes open. Fortunately, the problem has since rectified itself, and I have excellent vision. The Lyme's disease also seems to have disappeared, and I'm very grateful to regained, to have regained, that is, my former health. But within this little personal story is a valuable lesson. In the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 is a statement made by Jesus. He said, No man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, which it means money. When I had the strabismus, if I tried to use the two eyes as normal, I felt disoriented, not knowing if I was here or over there. The only way to get about was to close or cover the out-of-line eye. God's people must learn that to serve the Lord requires a singleness of purpose. It's impossible to love the Lord and love money at the same time. Now, I saw this principle in operation with a very successful Adelaide businessman. He at one time recognised his sinful condition and gave his heart to the Lord He was baptised and joined a church, but the lure for money was just too strong. For a while he tried to juggle the two opposing desires within himself, but little by little his church attendance became sporadic, then not at all. He ended up serving the one master, money, and he became successful. But as for his relationship with the Lord, it was compromised and, as far as I know, became non-existent. Another eye expression is swivel-eyed. Swivel-eyed is a bit like shifty-eyed, not being able to look at someone in the face without averting the eyes to look at anything apart from what should be looked at. Shifty-eyed people are either unusually shy or have something to hide. The latter fear that if they look steadily at you, that you'll be able to read their minds and so (laughs) they look away. I'm aware of some who seem to have a shifty-eyed spiritual experience. They might attend this church and then another one and then another and so on. They never settle because if they settle then others might get to know them too well and find out some secrets they want to hide. Now I'm not talking here about genuine seekers of truth who go to different churches to find a church home When these people find a church home, they are usually prepared to make friends, become involved, and take on responsibilities. The spiritually shifty-eyed people are likely to go from place to place in order to extract whatever they can for their own purposes before moving on. And it's like that doctrinally as well. Such people are likely to be swayed by this or that doctrine doctrine like flotsam drifting about in the ocean and never coming to a point of firm belief. I'd like to suggest that anyone who does not study their Bible runs the risk of being swayed this way or that way, depending who and what they hear. Jesus, one time speaking about John the Baptist to an audience, said, What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed shaken in the wind? That was a question, and it comes from Luke 7, verse 24. Jesus was implying that John the Baptist was a man of God, solidly grounded in his beliefs and in what he taught. He was not afraid to call sin by its right name and had no fear of what people thought of him. He did what he knew to be right and never wavered from that. John the Baptist was a true man, He was true to God as the needle on a compass always points to the North Pole, regardless of the conditions. I reckon that when John the Baptist looked someone in the eye, his gaze was steady. I reckon that John had strict principles and never wavered from them. I reckon John had a faith and trust in God that remained steady and strong despite whatever conditions he found himself in. John was no shifty-eyed individual. He was a man's man, and was, until his death, God's man too. John was a man about whom the Apostle Paul could say, Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. My friends, possibly some of you are spiritually shifty-eyed, not really grasping hold of God's word, finding truth and yet not really holding firmly on to it? Why don't you be like John? Stand firm, despite opposition to your stand, and stand in the strength of the Lord Jesus, who stood firm for us, and resolved to go through even to death, to carry out what he had to do. Now, I'd like to share something about another eyed expression. It's one eyed. One eyed is usually applied to someone who has an idea and who refuses to let go of it, even when that idea is shown to be wrong. And of course, there are spiritually one eyed people. Among these people are those who are likely to say something like this. My grandfather was, this is an example, my grandfather was a Catholic, my father was a Catholic, and so I'm a Catholic too. Now please understand that I've used this as an example and I could have used any particular religion in place of Catholic. But that sort of attitude is being one-eyed Relying on a family heritage is no basis for belief or faith. We need to understand what the Bible says and accept beliefs based on it and not on what our ideas our family members may have held. Relying on what your ancestors believed is not good enough. They might have held wrong beliefs. They may have been quite ignorant of the teachings of their church group. Maybe they just went along not knowing or caring about what their church taught. Maybe they did not really know what they themselves believed and possibly their religious practice may have been no more than a formality. This kind of spiritual laziness will not gain anyone eternal life. You see, salvation is a personal thing. It's between you and God. You need to know what God wants. You need to know his will for you. You need to read and study God's word, the Bible, and to act on what it says. Just going with the flow is not what God wants. We read in Revelation chapter 3 verses 15 and 16 what the Lord has to say about the go with the flow people. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold or hot. So then... Because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want wishy-washy people. He wants people who will trust him, obey him, stand for him, and honour him. In fact, he prefers those who oppose him to those who show that they don't really care. But you know, there's another aspect of being spiritually one-eyed and we'll deal with that straight after the break.
1: Say Your time.
0: So what's this other aspect of being spiritually one-eyed? If you study your Bible, you may discover truths such as keeping the seventh day, that is the Saturday, Sabbath. But if you have kept the false Sabbath for a long time, and you might feel that the reasons for doing so are quite valid, When you discover the truth about anything but cling on to your old false beliefs, refusing to change, even though you know what you've learned is right, then you could be described as being one-eyed. A few centuries ago, the majority of the inhabitants of planet Earth believed the Earth was flat like a giant coin. Despite discoveries and evidence showing that the Earth is roughly spherical, many still would not believe it. And would you believe that even in the 21st century, individuals and societies that believe the Earth is flat still exist? Are these people one-eyed? Well, I think so. Those one-eyed people clinging to traditions and false beliefs are like those who maintain that the earth is flat. They are stuck in a spiritual rut, and that won't save them. Now we come to the cross-eyed Christians. There are two aspects of being cross-eyed. The first is that being cross-eyed is similar to the problem of I experienced after contracting Lyme's disease. I could see okay, but saw double. There are Christians who focus on the wrong things through which they hope to gain eternal life. Some concentrate on doing what is right. Now, there's nothing wrong in doing what is right. We should all try to do that. But if we think that by rigorously keeping the law that we can expect to earn salvation, we're on the wrong track. The Apostle Paul wrote extensively about this issue. He repeatedly pointed out that the law was there in order to identify sin. Take, for example, Romans 3.20. Paul says, Therefore, By the deeds of the law, no flesh, that is, no one, will be justified in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And here's another statement from Paul in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The law cannot save. Its function is to make us realise that we are sinners and so need saving. That of course doesn't mean to say we toss the law out. God expects us to live by the law, but not that the law will save us. And of course, Jesus had quite a lot to say about trying to win salvation by works, by law-keeping. He condemned the religious leaders of the day for teaching that law-keeping is the only way to salvation. The sin problem is like being caught in quicksand. The more effort you make to free yourself, the further you'll sink down. You could, perhaps, if you're caught in quicksand, try to take strong, deep breaths. You might try to tread water. You might try to do a perfect breaststroke. All will be to no avail. The only way that you can be saved from the suffocating death that quicksand produces is to remain still and get help from outside yourself. Sure, you can call out for help, and it will only be that help that saves you. And so it is when we are trapped in sin. We cannot save ourselves despite our best efforts. The only help that will save us comes from Jesus. Now, the second aspect about cross-eyed Christians is that they focus on the cross that is, when they eye the cross. Of course, the cross in itself can't save anyone. Two pieces of wood consisting of a pole and a crossbeam are simply two pieces of wood. But what happened on that central cross at Golgotha, otherwise referred to as Calvary 2,000 years ago, is a different matter. I'd like to read some selected verses from 1st John chapter 5. This is from the clear word paraphrase version of the Bible. And I'll be reading verses 1, 5 and 12. And here it is. Whoever believes that Jesus of Nazareth is the divine son of God has been born of God. And whoever loves God will love his children. Who can overcome the world? Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and goes to Him for help. Anyone who believes in the Son of God has eternal life, and anyone who does not believe in the Son of God does not have eternal life. What does believe in Jesus, the Son of God, mean? It means that you do more than merely know about Christ. It means that you accept Jesus as God who came down from heaven to demonstrate what God the Father is like. It means to accept Jesus' death at Calvary for yourself. It means accepting that Jesus rose from the dead and now ministers in heaven to make intercession for us. It means accepting Jesus as God and as man. It means accepting Christ's principles and teachings. Believing is really doing. The cross-eyed Christian focuses his or her life on one of the most important events ever recorded in earth's history, that is, where Jesus willingly gave his life for ours Dying an excruciating death for me, for you, for us. But that's not where it all stops. Jesus is coming again to collect all his faithful people, to take them with him back to heaven. Friends, that will be a special day, a day I look forward to, because I too am a cross-eyed Christian. But are you keeping your eyes fixed on the cross, fixed on Jesus Christ? Are you grateful that Jesus gave his life that you too might be saved? Oh, I do so hope that you do. So that's it for today. I hope you'll join me again next time. Until then, I wish you peace and joy and hope that comes from knowing and believing in Jesus.